hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast where we bring you what's new and what's next in e-commerce today is going to be a super valuable super practical hopefully very enlightening episode as we talk about how to make your e-commerce company your brand more valuable and we're going to be looking at it from the perspective of a business broker this episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by omg commerce hey that's my company uh omg commerce is the primary underwriter of the e-commerce evolution podcast and we're excited to do that excited to bring this content to you a quick offer from OMG Commerce. We are a Google Premier Partner. So we're in the top 3% of all Google partners, one of the fastest growing in the world last year. Uh, if you would like a second set of eyes on your Google campaigns, whether that's Google Shopping, Search, YouTube, Remarketing, or the like, we would love to talk to you. Love to schedule a strategy session. Love to look at your campaigns and provide ideas for improvement. Also, Amazon. We would love to talk to you about your Amazon ad strategy and have an Amazon audit for you, uh, complimentary for listeners of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Our Amazon department is led by Mr. Chris Tyler to find out more about the way we approach Amazon campaigns. Go back and check out episode 39 as we do a deep dive and look at Amazon advertising. But we would love to help you with either of those traffic sources. And so if you're interested, go to omgcommerce.com, click on any of the services, and there's a quick form to fill out right there. And now back to the show. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Uh, this is a, a side of the business that is newer for me, uh, but I'm really excited to dive in. And I've got as my guest today, Mr. Joe Valley. He is the Director of Brokerage Services at Quiet Light Brokerage. Uh, we met at Ezra Firestone's event in Denver just a while back and uh, just super sharp guy. Had a great conversation there, decided I wanted to have him on the podcast and so here he is. Joe, uh, thanks for carving out this time and, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Brad. Good to be here. Yeah, man. I, I'm really pumped about this. Now, here's, here's why I was so excited to have you on the, the podcast. Uh, I, I'm confident that, that there's a ton of people that listen to this show that think, man, my business is my baby. I want to keep it forever. I want to pass it on to my children, whatever. Uh, but I don't want to sell. There are also then others that want to build and sell and maybe do that a few times. Either way, what you have to share, your perspective on what makes a business, an e-commerce business specifically more valuable, I think is helpful for both parties, right? So as we look at all the things we're going to cover today, how to make your business more valuable, it's useful whether you want to hold your business or sell it. Wouldn't would you, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I hear people say every day uh, when they hear me utter the words business broker. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I never want to sell my business. I'm going to keep it forever. Uh, and then six months, 12 months, 18 months later, something happens in their life where uh, they uh, decide to just be done. Uh, they're emotionally tired. The economy takes a turn. They get a divorce. They get married. Um, or competition takes uh, a bite out of their revenues. Or they kill it and revenue just goes off the chart. And then they decide they want to sell. I think that uh, I probably heard that a, a thousand times over the last six years. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Never say never. Yeah. No. No kidding. I've I've caught myself 
saying, oh, I'll never do this, you know, and then it always comes back to, to bite me. But but yeah, maybe, maybe you just get bored or maybe you get an offer that's like, holy cow, is my business really worth that? Well, maybe, maybe I should consider selling. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think it, it's always a good time to consider, hey, what what is my business worth? And and so let's dive into this topic. I want to I hit this from a few different angles. But maybe the first is just just this general question, because I think this applies to everybody. Even, even if someone's saying, no, I want to hold my business forever, they're probably also wondering, yeah, but what is my business worth, right? So so what are some of the the practical ways that someone could figure out their own valuation? I know you guys got some free offerings. You, you, we'll talk about at the end of the show, but uh, but how can someone kind of ballpark what their e-com business is, is worth? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that I think it's critically important to know the answer as close as you can, right? Uh, I would imagine everyone listening probably knows if they own a house or a condo or a townhome, they probably know the value of that within five to 10%. Sure. If they have a retirement account, they probably know the value of that within you know a dollar if they looked at their uh, portfolio today. Their most in, uh, valuable asset for most entrepreneurs is their business. And a lot of us don't have a clue, right? We just don't have a clue. Not a clue, <laughs> including myself. Look, I started uh, as an entrepreneur back in 1997 when I left a company called Talk America up in Portland, Maine. And, and I launched my own media buying agency. It was a radio direct response media buying agency. That's what I did. That's and then awesome. we moved into our own uh, products on radio, did a TV infomercial, eventually moved it all online and sold it in 2012 through Quietlight before I joined the team. And I had no idea first that I could even sell my business back when I became emotionally tired after the economy collapsed. And then when I thought, huh, maybe I can sell this, I had no idea what it was really worth. And so I think it's critical for people to understand the value uh, no matter what, and not to find it through blogs and friends of friends who sold their business down, you know, down the table at the mastermind group for X multiple uh, because everybody calculates it differently. I think you really need to have it figured out for your own business. So what is it worth? How do you calculate that? If we're talking about e-commerce and we specifically hone in on physical product businesses, there are sort of two ranges here. Um, One, let's talk about a physical products business that has multiple channels of revenue, meaning uh, they've got revenue from a Shopify store, they do daily deal sites, they do a little wholesale B2B, and they've got another channel on Amazon and maybe multiple countries. Pretty diverse, right? Um, Risk averse because it's not one channel. That particular business, if it's of a certain size and let's go below a certain size. Let's say below $750,000 a year in profit. We'll call it, it's called technically seller's discretionary earnings and we'll define that in a minute. But if it's below that 750 mark, you're probably in a value range of three to four times. Okay. That's a broad, broad range of that seller's discretionary earnings. So let's do simple math. If it's $100,000 a year in discretionary earnings, and you've got those multiple channels of revenue and a lot of other things, there's probably a, a hundred different things that go into evaluation. Uh, but you're gonna be worth anywhere from three to 400,000 plus the value of good saleable inventory on hand or on order and paid for at the time of closing. So a multiple of the discretionary earnings plus your inventory. If on the other hand, you are a 100% Amazon seller, 
You've got your own private label brand, just like the other guy doing the Shopify stuff and everything else. But you also have 100,000 in discretionary earnings. You're going to be less valuable because you're a one-channel business that's more risk. More risk equals uh, a lower valuation because the buyers simply don't want to take more risk for a one-channel business. And you're probably going to be stuck in that two-and-a-half to three-time range. So a business that's 100% Amazon, 100,000 in discretionary earnings, 250 to 300,000 plus inventory. The other business with multiple channels of revenue, probably three to 400,000 plus inventory. So it's a pretty big difference because of the risk of one versus the other. Yeah, it's so interesting. And, and, and again, I think this goes back to the, the, the point I made at the beginning of the show that this topic, this conversation is, is good whether you want to keep your business or sell it. And, and what makes your business more valuable also is better for you, right? So if you are an Amazon-only seller, I would say to you, you need to diversify, right? Build your own Shopify store, build your own brand, get multiple channels feeding your business with new clients. It, it makes you stronger, you know, for the long haul. And, and so, and it also, man, it just severely handicaps your your earnings and your your ability to sell if you're limited to one channel. So that that's really interesting. That that's that's awesome. Now, when you talk about profits, are you talking like EBITDA, like earning before interest taxes and amortization, or what, what are you what are you talking about there with profits? I just want to tell everybody take a shot of caffeine right now because this is going to get boring. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the condensed version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You run a profit and loss statement, right? In QuickBooks or Zero, you get net income on the bottom. Yep. But but if you let's just say that net income equals a hundred thousand dollars. But you also take a payroll for yourself of $50,000 a year. That's an owner benefit to you, right? And then let's just say between your meals and entertainment, the car that you write off through the business, that trip to Disney, there's another $10,000. You've got that net income plus your ad backs. The ad backs are the owner benefits up there. So $100,000 plus the $50,000 owner benefit ad back or your payroll. And then maybe another $10,000 in meals and entertainment, car travel, things of that nature. So instead of $100,000, it's $160,000. Got it, because that's discretionary. The the, the next owner could say, I I don't need to go to Disney. I don't need a car. I don't need a salary, whatever. Exactly. So that's at the discretion of the next buyer. Got it. Exactly. Now, there's one other add back category and that's one-time expenses. Uh, A trademark is a one-time expense. Um, Let's say that uh, you did a website redesign and you spent $20,000, which would be way too much, but that that can be considered a one-time expense as well. So you would add those back too. Got it. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Super, super helpful. Well, um, when, when you and I visited a few days ago, you talked about something called the four pillars of a sellable company. And, and so can you walk through those four pillars, describe what they are, and then we'll, we'll maybe dive into to each one just a little bit. Yeah. And for anyone listening, if you're a seller, think about these from the viewpoint of the buyer, the buyers that are out there looking to risk their life savings to purchase your business. And so the, the four the four pillars of a sellable business and, and how good you are on these pillars will increase or decrease the value of your business. And it's age, growth, transferability, and documentation. So age, growth, and growth opportunities, transferability, and documentation. So we look at the first one, age. Uh, the the minimum age that we will generally take on is uh, 24 months. And we kind of decided that, but more than anything else, the marketplace decides it. And they what they do is they 
they'll push the value of a business down if it's only 12 months old or 18 months old. We've sold one as young as 16, but when we have people come to us and they're 12 months old and they want to sell, we can absolutely sell it, but we really encourage them to hold on another six to 12 months because- They'll get more from it, right? They, uh, they'll get more from it. They'll make more money along the way and they'll go from, let's say, a one and a half to a two and a half multiple. It's a pretty significant difference. So age is really important. And there's really two spectrums of age. You know, 24 months really is the youngest that I, I, I try to get people to target. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where I will do valuations for folks that have been online selling uh, for, call it 17 years, I think is the oldest one I've ever sold. Wow, 17 years. Yeah, and you know what? They, they, haven't, they haven't gotten with the times. They haven't gone from that site built in Dreamweaver over to Shopify and outsourced it. And so they're really a web developer you know, that happens to be selling products online. Wait, wait, wait. do you mean, you mean Dreamweaver is not still a viable option? What, what, what do you mean, Joe? Okay. You're, you're crushing me. Okay. Right, I, my, my site was built in Dreamweaver and I could get lost for hours and yes. hours. I'd look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's 730 at night. Wow. <laughs> uh, and all I did was like write uh, or put an article online. So right, yeah, right. A, a, age has two different things. So th that's a really easy one, right? Not very complicated. How old is the business? The other one is growth. And this one's pretty critical and really can make a difference. And there's so many different variables to it. The I think the number one thing that people look at when they look at our client interviews, which is we're going to ask, we're going to ask a, a seller, a client of ours, every question we think a buyer is going to want to know the answer to, and we're going to put it in writing, and the client's going to answer it in writing. And of course, there's an NDA in front of that. People don't see it without getting through certain firewalls, but. Um, it's that growth opportunity section. Uh, what growth opportunities are there for the business, for the new owner to uh, take on? The best ones are paths to growth that are already open. And here's a, a pretty simple one. I sold a business about a year and a half ago. They had uh, 16 SKUs. The business was only 24 months old, but they had 16 SKUs and nine of them had been launched within the last 12 months. And of those nine SKUs, they represented about 40% of the total revenues. Now, I said they'd been lost, uh, launched within the last 12 months, some of them within the last three or four or five or six. And so we broke down that revenue by SKU and then uh, how old that SKU was. And some of them, you know, if, if it's representing 5% of the total revenue for the trailing 12 months, but it's only two months old, that's built in growth for the buyer. So that gets real exciting for the buyer. Um, that's really minute growth that buyers focus on. The bigger growth is what's your year over year growth? Um, not year to date growth necessarily uh, because of seasonality of a business. We look at right. um, the, the, the trailing 12 months versus the prior trailing 12 months. So in this case, we're, we're talking in the month of August. So it would be, uh, it would be August of last year to July of this year versus the same period the year before. And we're looking for some growth. In fact, I just did a valuation uh, for a business that um, he's got 110% top line growth year over year, uh, only 49% discretionary earnings growth, which means his margins are getting tighter. But what he did was he launched a whole bunch of new SKUs. He's spending a whole bunch of money. But when you really delve into it, and I do a year-over-year -year comparison of the months, in the last four or five months, 
his growth is negative. Hmm. So that's kind of scary, right? He's 110% year over year, but most recently in the last four or five months, he's shrinking pretty dramatically. And, and with and with new SKUs, with more SKUs than he had last year, correct? So that, that would be right. a pretty exactly. serious cause for concern. Huh. So that's the second thing we look at. There's first is the age, the second is the growth and the growth opportunities and the built-in paths to growth. And the third is the really kind of an easy one too, it's transferability, right? Is the business going to successfully transfer to a new owner? It has to be yes. And then the question is, how complicated is it? Uh, a lot of people uh, can be a one or two person show and they've got uh, remote employees, whether it's here in the United States or somewhere overseas. That's a really easy business to transfer. There are others that I've sold where I've had uh, this one example, this guy, he did a presentation uh, at a e-commerce fuel years later with slides of where he used to live and what his view looked like and then what it looked like now. But he moved from uh, California where he had beautiful views across the street of the ocean in his office and he moved to Atlanta into kind of a warehouse district. And he, he moved across the country uh, to you know take over a warehouse and a facility that produced a particular product. It was still 100% e-commerce, but it was harder to transfer. So if you think about... Uh, th this pillar, this where it's going to bring the value of your business up or down, the buyer pool for someone that wants to move across the country and run uh, their own warehouse with a little manufacturing facility is smaller than the buyer pool for someone who wants to buy a 100% online business with two VAs that work remotely and products are shipped to a 3PL or to Amazon. So that's part of the transferability. A, it has to transfer. B is how easy is it going to be to transfer? I sold one in the spring where a gentleman uh, literally uh, he's from Massachusetts. He drove down to Texas. He rented a U-Haul, drove down to Texas, put all that manufacturing equipment in the back of the U-Haul after his training and transition period, did it on a long weekend so he wouldn't lose any revenue and drove back, set it up, and started producing product and, and shipping it, uh, you know, the Tuesday of the next That's week. Amazing. I'm just imagining the customer service emails if they send it over the weekend. We'll get back to you. Our our company is in a U-Haul <laughs> truck right now. We'll, we'll let you yeah. know where, where your order is here shortly. Yeah, we're uh, somewhere on I-95 out of Portland, Maine. We'll get back to you shortly. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. So, all right. So th there's age, growth, transferability. And the last one is the most difficult, the most unattractive one for sellers, the owners of these businesses, but the most important one for the buyers, and that's documentation. And, and, I, and I would argue this is really important for someone who wants to keep their business as well. The, this one, and to me, like this one and growth, like those two pillars, you better be focusing hardcore on those regardless of when you think you want to sell. Uh, but, but anyway, continue. So documentation, super important. Yeah, it's critical. I mean, if you, if you run your business really efficiently and really well with lots of great SOP, standard operating procedures, with uh, good access and information on data, whether it's lifetime value of a customer, cost to acquire, monthly recurring revenues, churn rate if you've got a subscription program. All of this information is going to transfer to the buyer as uh, that you're a really really intelligent, professional business person that is doing the right thing, running a real legitimate business that has longevity to it and is going to transfer to more value for the buyer. And, and as you said, it's really important uh, for 
the way you run your own business, uh, what I've found is that when we do evaluation, when we do evaluation, by the way, we have these, we have, have these calls, we talk about these things, and then we, more often than not, we say, go away and fix this. And, you know, this is the value range. And if you want to be higher, this is what you need to do. And let's talk again in six or 12 months, something along those lines. What people learn is that there are certain efficiencies that they can put in place in their business. And when they have better data, they realize that there's certain things and directions they can go into really excel the value of their business. So knowledge in that documentation is incredible and it'll bring more value to the business. The, the number one mistake pe- people make uh, in this area is uh, poor financials. I mean, just get a subscription to Zero uh, or QuickBooks Online, hire a bookkeeper. Um, we've got uh, we've got some folks that we've done the podcast with bookkeepers. They are the least exciting podcasts that we do. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Don't listen while driving, yes. <laughs> exactly. I, I I refer people to them and and whether they're doing $100,000 a year in revenue or $10 million a year in revenue, um, I've seen people be able to fire in-house bookkeepers, I'm sorry to all you in-house bookkeepers that might be listening, but to let go in-house bookkeepers that they're paying 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a year and outsource it for a few hundred dollars a month, it's updated daily, it's imported directly in there and it's done on an accrual basis, it's done right. And you own the QuickBooks online account or the Zero account, so it's always yours. You can fire the bookkeeper and all that data is still yours. The bookkeeping, the financials, absolutely the number one documentation thing to focus on. Remember, I said the value of a business is a multiple of your trailing 12 months discretionary earnings. We can't get to the discretionary earnings without running a proper profit loss statement and identifying what those addbacks are. Yeah, totally makes sense. And then one thing, and I want want to dig in a little bit more to the financials in just a second, but back to just good documentation and, and looking at standard operating procedures as an example. You know, this is something we are doing as an agency constantly where we're looking at, okay, what, what is our best specialist, whether it's a, a Google shopping campaign or a YouTube ad campaign or Amazon ad campaign, what's something that's just really working and why is it working and what do we do to make it work? And then begin to roll that out to other specialists. So we do, you know, regular group ta- trainings and we document things and have checklists and all that. Like that's the type of thing where, and I know that's a service based company. I'm just speaking from my own example. Um, but doing that kind of thing for your customer service reps or your your order packing employees or whatever, like looking at, okay, this person has found a new way to do something and it's 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 rocking. Let's roll that out to everybody. And and constantly doing that, you're gonna be more efficient, you're gonna be more profitable, you're gonna make more money, you're gonna be able to take more time off potentially, and it's gonna make your business more valuable. Um you know, if you decide to sell down the road. And, and that the fun part there is taking more time off, right? A lot of folks are not ready to sell their business, but they're trying to figure out what the value is. Yeah. And if you can put those SOPs in place, uh, you're able to take some more time off. Here's a classic example, right? Quiet's been around since 2007. Um, when we get to this documentation part of calls and I send an email out and I give written instructions on how to run a prop, uh, a profit and loss statement with a monthly view and export it to Excel. Same thing all the time, capital letters. People send me back PDFs. They send, you know, they, they send me quarterly things. It's never right. Until Chuck Mullins here at Quiet it decides, 
you know what, I'm going to shoot a video on how to do this. Mm, nice. Really easy. You click the little loom yep. extension on Chrome and you run a profit and loss statement in QuickBooks and a dummy account that he set up. And in two minutes and 30 seconds, it's right there. There's an SOP that can be shared with every broker at Quietlight who can then share it with every potential client who doesn't know what the heck we're talking about when we say we want a monthly view exported to Excel, everything in one tab. Saves hours of time, hours of the broker's time and, and the potential seller's time and all, all that. Just, uh, but, but a quick little fix. That's, that's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Um, so let, let's talk about financials. And, and again, at the risk of getting a little too nerdy, but I don't think so. Like this is stuff you just, you just got to know, right? So for me, just as an example, man, I love business. I love thinking about strategy. I love thinking about growth and projections and I don't actually mind numbers. Like I enjoyed math. Uh, I enjoyed math in high school even wasn't like a, you know, like math club type guy, but I enjoyed math. However, accounting, oh my gosh, like I could not stay awake in accounting class in college. I just couldn't do it. Literally, um, I, I fell asleep. I'm, I'm with you. I literally oh, fell worst. asleep in accounting class <laughs> in college yeah. and my head is down and I'm drooling on the desk and the ne- you know, everybody leaves. Nobody woke me up and then the next <laughs> class rolls in. <laughs> there I am. Yes, that's the accounting. But I have found it, it, it is more interesting when it's your money. So that, that's, that's one thing. Much more. Uh, but let's talk about, uh, you had mentioned that accrual accounting is, is important. So a lot of businesses are cash-based. Uh, you're you're saying that we should be accrual-based. Uh, first of all, just quickly explain the difference and then, and then talk about why accrual is better for e-commerce. All right. Again, for anyone listening, uh, pay attention to this. You might want to just sort of tune out because it's not exciting, but I've done uh, valuations and we've seen by flipping from cost to accrual, we've seen the value of the company jump by a quarter of a million dollars just by doing a simple mathematical equation. So hold on, I'm, I'm going to go talk to my, my bookkeeper. One, one second, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> worth paying attention yes. to, right? Yep. Um, all right. So cash accounting is, uh, let's talk about a physical products business um, and you order inventory. And when you send the wire for that inventory, you log it in QuickBooks, right? So you send 10,000 bucks. And uh, when you go to reconcile, you just, when you sent that wire is when you put that inventory expense in there. That's cash accounting. And so if you run a profit and loss statement, you're going to see, let's say you only order inventory quarterly. You're going to see every three months, you're going to see a giant leap in your inventory expenses, Right, you're jumping up, and then way down on the bottom of your profit and loss statement, your net income could be negative, or is going to go way down because of that expense that you logged in QuickBooks for that inventory. That's the way most of us do it. I did it when I ran my own e-commerce site. The right way to do it is accrual, which means that the cost of the widget goes into QuickBooks when you sell the widget. So not when you pay for the widget, but when you sell the widget. So if you have a cost of goods sold, a landed cost of goods sold, meaning landed at your warehouse of $10, let's say, and you sell uh, 10 widgets on a Monday, the cost of goods for the uh, those widgets would be $100. And there are good bookkeepers set that up in advance and can... It's just all imported into QuickBooks and can be done very easily so that when you run that profit and loss statement, it comes out on an accrual basis. Now, really, uh, we don't have a a screen here to share, but um, there's an accrual formula that we use to work with people that have cash accounting to flip the cash to accrual. And it's beginning inventory. If you think about this on a monthly basis, you've got a certain set of 
beginning inventory, and then you've got purchases minus ending inventory. That number that you get with that calculation is what you actually sold. And that's your accrual number. Sometimes we have to flip that on a on monthly basis if people keep track of their inventory at the beginning and end of each month or annually if they do it that way. The, the, the CPAs are always asking you, well, what's the value of your inventory at the end of the year? December 31st. So we generally, we can always find beginning and ending annually. The best way to do it is to hire a bookkeeper and have it done you know, daily for you and then it's in there monthly. But I, you know, I had a valuation the first time I really understood why this was so valuable. I had a couple call me uh, from New Zealand. I actually been talking to them for uh, about nine months and they had a very small drop ship wig business that they sold wigs on Amazon. Sweet. Yeah, and it wasn't doing much at all. And uh, I enjoyed, they're really, really nice people. I had good conversations with them and, and they called me about nine months in and they said, Joe, we have this other business we didn't tell you about and we'd like to get your opinion on how much it's worth. And then they told me that they talked to two other brokerage firms and they gave me the value that the two other brokerage firms thought it was worth. What these people did was they put a house under contract contingent upon the sale of their business, which is really foolish, but they had foreign income and had to do it that way. So the, the other brokerage firms just ran their profit and loss statement. This was a company that was, it was 18 months old and it was growing like crazy, right? So as I said earlier, they're taking all that revenue that's being produced, putting it right back into inventory yep. and reducing on a cash basis, reducing their profit. And so the brokers, my, my competition, uh, took that bottom line number and applied a multiple to it and they had to apply a really high multiple to it in order to help the sellers achieve their goal and sell the business to buy their house. Well, I looked at it and I saw the mistake that was made and we took that inventory cash and we flipped it to accrual and it brought the value of the business up, the discretionary earnings up by like $75,000 on the bottom line. And then you apply the multiple to that. If it's a three-time multiple, that's $225,000 added to the value of your business. And in their case, the other brokers are trying to push a, a 3.5 multiple and an 18-month-old 100% Amazon business. I was able to push that multiple down to about 2.7, which is going to be really more, exciting more for realist, More realistic, right? That that's, more, someone's more willing, willing to pay that multiple. More realistic, but it was a higher dollar value right. list price wise. So it was worth more money to the seller. It was a lower multiple to the buyer and it went under contract very quickly and they still have their house. Uh, so that's the value of cash versus accrual. You can, you can uh, have a higher value business that's going to look more attractive to buyers as well when you do accrual accounting. Got it. That's awesome. Okay, so I know we, we've kind of we, we've talked about several mistakes people can make in this process, but but anything we haven't mentioned, some some common mistakes you see people people make when they decide they want to sell. Yeah, the number one thing is that um, they decide to sell instead of planning to sell. Mm. Uh, not real exciting. Again, none of this is super exciting until you start counting dollars and you're in that process and you achieve your goals. But you know, we're always saying plan to sell. Don't just wake up, get emotionally tired and burned out and decide to sell, plan to sell. So the number one mistake is just that. They, 
you know, I'll get a phone call and say, uh, you know, I want to sell my business. I've been talking to a few people and I, I, I think it's worth X. Turns out that it's worth Y, but they're so emotionally toast that they can't fathom sticking around for another six to 12 or 18 months to fix what might be wrong with it. They wait too long. They're emotionally tired. They don't focus on the business. They don't look at pillar number two and get that growth going up. It's trending down and it brings down the value of the business. So yeah, don't, don't wait, don't wait until the wait until you're done uh, yeah. to sell. Cause then, then yeah, then, then you're uh, limited with your options for sure. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're emotionally done, the, uh, the well being of your company is going to be reflected on how much, effort you're putting into it. And, and when you get down to that documentation stuff and you look at the financials, it's, it's not going to be as pretty as a picture as it might've been 12 months ago when you were still excited about the business. So I would, I would say, you know, get a, get, get a firm idea what the value of your business is, uh, put a number down on a piece of paper and say, if I can sell for this, you know, someday, then I'll, I'll do that. Uh, and, and, and when you get there, just do an emotional check and are you ready? If not, then you move out another six or 12 months. And as, as long as you're having fun and enjoying it, I don't think you should ever sell your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Yep. Fully agree. Yeah. Document it. Maybe allow it to run a little better without you go, go start something else maybe. Um, yeah. So, so you got, yeah, you got options there. Uh, kind of two final questions here as, as we look to, to wrap up. Um, uh, the, the first one is, is actually the answer I was, I was surprised by when you and I were talking about it. Uh, but that is how long does it usually take to sell? So like how long could this process take? Uh, and, and then, and then, you know, we talked about mistakes. What, what about just a quick, like, here is the, the poster child. This was the perfect experience. You know, I know you probably can't give away details. Um, but, but some where it just worked out perfectly where they, they, they planned in advance and the clean financials, all that. You can kind of tell that story too. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So the first question is how long does it take to sell? Um, it, you know, our engagement letters are for 90 days, simple, three months, not very long. And it's because our uh, goal, and if we do our job well, and when I say our, really I mean the broker and the client because it's a, a joint effort in putting the best package together for buyers to get excited about your business. If we do our job well, uh, within the first 30 days that the business is listed, let's say 30 to 45, we're going to have three to five conference calls with qualified buyers and at least one acceptable offer. So it's 30 to 45 days. Oh. And then if it's a cash buyer, it's going to close in another 30 to 45 days. If it's an SBA buyer, it's going to close in another 60 to 90 days. So you know, depending upon the situation, I'd say, you know, from the time it's listed, you may close in 60 to 75 days. Uh, if it's cash, um, maybe four, four and a half months if it's an SBA buyer. Although I've closed SBA transactions in as little as 45 days, uh, but so much uh, of, of the speed of that depends upon the documentation, the tax returns, the financials, and the buyer and how quickly they can put their details together for uh, the SBA lender and the underwriter that needs to look at the business plan and all these different things. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's crazy. And, and to me, like I just I just had a longer window in my head. I felt like it would take much longer than that. So that, that's really cool. So well, um, there are some that you know, do take a long time as, you know, before we started recording, I, I told you we've got one that finally closed today 
and we were under contract back in March with the uh, with a buyer and the seller under contract. But there was a lot to go through, and uh, it was a very very unique situation with a unique seller and a unique buyer. And uh, they worked through it all, and eventually it, it happened. But it, it it took a long time. But generally, ninety days, and we're well on our way towards closing. Um, so the ideal uh, poster child uh, client. Um, his name is Jeremy. I'm going to use Jeremy right now. And that's, that's all I can tell you. But uh, Jeremy and I t- started talking about nine months ago. And he his business was young at the time, right? So it's 20, just over 24 months old now. Um, so, uh, you know, 15 months old. Uh, not old enough. Uh, he had an idea. He had a plan. We talked. We went through the valuation process. And he started planning for his exit because he knew he was going to exit because he quit a corporate job to stay at home with his son, Jonas, and his wife kept working. And so he wanted to be a stay-at-home dad and had this side gig with a 100% Amazon business. He had a really good plan in terms of what he was going to do, which was start this business, build it up, and probably sell it. So he had a plan that was understandable and logical, and buyers could say, as they always do, why are you selling? Oh, it's because you want to be a stay-at-home dad and you always had this plan, logic. Um, He used QuickBooks Online. His books were impeccable. We did have to flip it to accrual, but that was okay. He had the data to allow us to do that. Um, He had about 110% year-over-year growth, which is great, and his bottom line growth was there as well. He built a a beautiful brand that had, uh, I think, four or five SKUs, can't remember off the top of my head, and then several variations. It was beyond one simple SKU where there's a lot of weight on one SKU, but not so complicated and complex that there were a hundred SKUs and a thousand variations. It was simple enough so that he could still run it together or run it by himself. And he did. He did it in less than 20 hours a week while being a stay-at-home dad and didn't have a single VA. So he had a business that was 24 months old, so okay on the age pillar. He had growth, 100%, 110% year-over-year growth, growth opportunities because he was 100% Amazon and the product was clearly could be sold on other Amazon platforms in other countries. Uh, it was already getting B2B increased because it was a great, really great brand that could be expanded. So we had a great growth opportunities. Transferability, 100% Amazon business, super easy to transfer. It didn't even have VAs. And then the documentation, the financials are great. His SOPs were in great shape. And one of the things that I think sort of takes it over the top is we do, when we put the package together, um, you know, you and I got to meet in person. Uh, we got to, you know, bond a little bit and, and got to meet a lot of people at the Blue Ribbon Mastermind uh, and, and get to know them. When that happens, it elevates your relationship. It's hard to sell a business when you're in Boise, Idaho, and your buyer is in Portland, Maine, and you're just emailing each other or talking on the phone. So we actually produce a video interview with the seller. So anybody that looked at the business got to see Jeremy. And got to, see Jonas, got to see Jonas come over and sit on his lap during the time that I was interviewing his wife, Lindsay. It was summer. She was a teacher. So she was able to come over and say hi. So people could see him as a real person and get to, you know, oh, wow, this is great. I feel really good about these people. We launched that last Tuesday. Today's Friday, right? We launched it a week ago, Tuesday. And this is abnormal, guys. It's It happens occasionally, but it's abnormal. Um, but it was it checked all of those pillars so well that by close of business Monday of this week, we had seven offers 
and it went under contract to one of the offers over asking price. That to me is the poster child of a business. He checked off age, growth, transferability, documentation, and he was just really an honest guy that worked hard and built a great business and was excited for somebody else to take it over. He wasn't trying to get rid of it. He was giving them something that was going to blossom and grow, yeah. which is ideal. When people are investing, you know, their life savings, this was, this wasn't, this was a sizable business. It was 900,000 plus inventory. It wasn't, uh, you know, something small that a yeah, lot of buyers yeah. would go after. So that's, great. That, that's, that's the great. ideal, ideal scenario for me. That's fantastic. And, and a lot of good stuff there. There was the preparation and, and all of that. And then the video, I love the video idea that that's really cool. Nice added touch. Um, and I could see where that would, would allow him to connect more and, 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 and make a buyer more comfortable. Um, well, let's do this, Joe. This is, this has been phenomenal. Uh, super helpful. I think everybody is going to have at least a few takeaways that they need to, to go back and, and tweak something in their business. If nothing else, just switching to accrual accounting. I mean, that, that, that's like, it seems like a no brainer for e-commerce companies. Uh, but for those that, that want to dig a little deeper, so maybe they're saying, hey, you know what, like maybe I'd like to dip my toe in the waters or at least start talking about selling, or maybe I want a, like a real valuation, not just me kind of mulling over numbers in, in my head or on a napkin. Uh, how can someone connect with you and, and how could they go about getting a valuation? Well, it's pretty simple. You just go to the website. It's quietlightbrokerage.com. There's a free valuation button on the homepage. You fill out a brief little form and then you have a conversation with one of our brokers advisors. Uh, we've all built, bought and sold our own web-based businesses. Uh, pretty low key. We're here to help. We're not uh, as, as I felt when I was selling my business, I, I could sort of feel brokers trying to reach through the phone to get their hooks into me for a commission. Uh, and then I, I met Mark Doust, who's the founder of quiet light. And he actually gave me advice. He said to me, Joe, if you wait another you know, six months, you're probably going to make an extra hundred thousand because the, these, these poorer months, this was 2010, you're going to fall off the books and your value is going to go up. So he helped me. And that's the philosophy and approach we take with everyone. It's, it's to help first, help them understand the value of their business and build a more valuable business. And, and, and if and when they're ever ready to sell, we'll be here to help them get that done too. Awesome. Awesome. Quiet light brokerage, Joe Valley, ladies and gentlemen, Joe, thanks again for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. And I'll make sure to link up to everything in, in the show notes. Well, thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. Yep. Good stuff as always. And uh, guys, really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback. So shoot us a note. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of. Uh, leave us that review on iTunes. That'd be fantastic. Or connect with us on Facebook, uh, our Facebook page there. Uh, check us out and would love to continue the conversation there. And until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on 
resources, and guides, and pick the guide that's right for you. And now, back to the show.